I believe everyone has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, produced by H2 Productions. Especially in the world of real estate, the word community is used a hell of a lot. But how you actually make that is phenomenally difficult. And in many ways, that's what we pride ourselves on at Plus X is that we aren't from a classic real estate background. We don't just think about the building. We we sort of think about the building because we want to create the community. Our mission is to create, you know, amazing entrepreneurial, innovative communities. That's our mission rather than building lots of buildings. The point for me is, is about saying, understand properly the problem that you're trying to solve. And indeed, what you need to do is fall in love with the problem, not the solution, right? And that for me is very close to Simon Sinek, start with why, right? So for me, the most powerful thing as a designer is always to understand what are you trying to improve for someone or for multiple people? And it's by falling in love with the problem that you keep on trying different solutions. And some solutions are right, some are wrong, uh, some will sustain some will need to be replaced but your constant the constant is 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 the problem and, and and the beneficiary the impact you want to have in the world and the solution are all you know these are all these different solutions around the edge are you making painkillers or vitamins so what problem are you solving sometimes vitamins are feel as seen as things that are nice but not necessarily something that everyone really needs whereas painkillers are things almost back to my point of how do you find something that will endure through different economic cycles? You know, what's an enduring need that people have? Trying to find those painkillers, those real pain points that you can create a painkiller for, rather than just a vitamin, a nice to have, not a must have. Those are some of the nuances of, 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 of how we coach people exactly to say, what problem are you solving? How do you know it's a problem? Is it a real problem? Is it an enduring problem? Is it a real massive pain? Uh, I know it's a bit sort of dark and dystopian in some ways, but the bigger the pain, the, the, the more good you're going to be doing in the world Absolutely. if you can fix it. You know? I don't care whether you're a lawyer or an AI coder or an accountant or a movie producer or anything like that. Yeah. The question I want to ask you is, do you want to make something amazing and new? Do you, and do you need to collaborate? So for me, it was merely, what is your attitude towards collaborative innovation? In either case, there are times when I've seen almost that idea born and I've seen that individual start going, uh, I don't think I'd call myself an entrepreneur, but I'm willing to start. Right. <laughs> so so to go from that genesis, uh, you know, it's a bit like seeing my my kids grow up from being newborns to, to the teenagers they are now. It's a miraculous journey seeing not only ideas turned into thriving businesses, but people being turned into more confident business leaders. And both of those things I find magical. I didn't have a good time at school. I was bullied at school a lot, um, an awful lot at school. And because my family were very poor, I didn't have nice things at school that other kids had and stuff like that. So I struggled and I struggled academically. Um, I just love meeting people, normal people, far more than famous people. Most famous people I've met are really quite boring, but I'm a firm believer that everybody you meet has got a story to tell everybody's got a story to tell you and i used to love getting callers on the show and stuff like that um, so it was from about may till about the end of, of 2020 and it it was without a shadow of a doubt the the toughest part of my life the toughest period of my life um and i was with her with my dad when 
the doctor said to her, there's nothing we can do this time, which looking back is an extraordinary thing to sit and witness one of the people that you love the most in the world being told that in fact you are going to pass away. And they, they said to her that they hoped she would have a roundabout. They said the prognosis of time is hard, but they said we hope maybe four, five, six months, and she died 10 days later. But at the same time, to see my dad, who is my hero, and who is the toughest, and I don't mean physically, I'm hard, just the toughest man I've ever known, just to be broken, was as upsetting as anything I've ever seen. Um, and then Ruben claps one night, and then that's my eldest, claps one night at home. And that's hard to think about, because, and I know that you have, have had to deal with a child that's been poorly but he God, get quite emotional about it's fine he hadn't been well and then he woke up in the middle of the night and Sally Ann was screaming for me and he was falling over on the landing and I picked him up and his eyes had gone back of his head and then his bowels opened everywhere and I was like you've got to call an ambulance you've got to call an ambulance and um, Sal had to go with him I had to stay with Eddie our youngest and that was probably the longest two hours of my life. He knew that I could present and talk to people because that's what I've been doing. And he also knew that I'd had a challenging upbringing. And he kind of said to me, if we can put all of that together, I think you can go out and inspire young students to change the way they see themselves, change the way they see their futures, change the way they see their place in the world and get them to understand that if they can apply themselves in this way and in that way, there are things out there for them. Because one of the things that I'm a big believer in when I look back at my youth, and I say this to the students, is where you come from doesn't have to have a damn thing to do with where you can go. Because one of my go-to lines when I talk to, and it's predominantly year nines, it's 13, 14, is people employ people. You can have the greatest CV. You can turn up for an interview in a perfectly um, immaculate outfit, and you can smash your interview, and that's great. You can have a degree, that's great, but, what are you going to do if an interviewer says to you, everything so far is perfect, but we've been through your social media and we can see that you've been racially abusing Marcus Rashford on your Instagram? I said, because if they find that out, you're gone. Because people employ people. So we get them to understand that being kind, being decent, being loyal, being humble, and really wanting to dedicate yourself to something, in my eyes, means just as much as any degree. So I say to these students, Forget the wealth, forget the power, forget the Porsches, the Ferraris, the swimming pools, the houses, the holidays. The most valuable currency you'll ever own is the way, the way that you treat other people. Employment law was just, you know, really busy in that period because it, it was one of those situations where suddenly, you know, every employer in the country was faced with a situation where they couldn't, unless they were exempt, have their staff in the workplace. And then uh, the Labour government at the time had a programme of introducing rights across the board. So from 99, 2000 to about 2005, we had com completely new rights. You know, it's amazing, really, that rights, non-discrimination rights, didn't exist prior to that in respect of sexual orientation, uh, religion, age. All of those came in. Part-time worker rights, enhanced maternity rights, and that period, for the first five or six years after I qualified, new law all the time. I mean, the whole point of employment rights is fundamentally an une unequal balance isn't it you know it, 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 that's the whole point is to offset the in, imbalance between employer and employee as you have in many situations yeah. uh, but uh, yeah the problem is always there to be solved I mean, that's, uh, you know, that 
tell me what one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self build your network get your connections academics will get you so far but once you start in any professional area in a lot of areas you know you, you your career develops through contacts it's one of the reasons why i was able to set up my own firm was because of those connections that i had, had built up so you know and, and you can always offer people something and vice versa nothing's changed always constantly creating win-win situations and creating great experiences where people are having fun uh dancing enjoying themselves and meeting new friends for life and i try to keep business very simple i lost a lot of money i lost a million quid it's a blow over and we'll be fine um, and we got to sort of the June and July, and then obviously Boris said again that no festivals are happening this summer. So at the time, you're thinking, shit, you know, this is real. What really shocked us was for those first, when we said we're moving the dates to August, for that first two weeks, every single day on my, my phone on my, coming through was, I want a refund, I want a refund, refund, refund. I was like, oh my God, this is mad. Listen, you lose money. And, you know, a million quid's a lot of money to lose, but I didn't lose sleep over it. There's nothing I can possibly physically do um, to change that. So if like... you are resilient and you are persistent and you are consistent and you are out there constantly trying to improve to make your business model work, just keep at it. Just tweak and tweak and tweak. But I wanted to create something that are going to give people joy. And, I've, you know, for the last 25 years, I put smiles on people's faces and got paid to do it. No one teaches us business. All we're doing is working yes. it all out. All I've done is working it all out. And the working it all out, and I say this on my on my TikTok and my Instagram and, and when I mentor other young entrepreneurs, the working it all out is the fun bit. My time at Brighton, like everything, like I was even just, just thinking about obviously how we met with, you know, essentials and walking around the lanes, going out for nights out, having food, stuff like that. Like the buzz around Brighton at that time was just was just unbelievable. You know, like I said, I've listened to a lot of podcasts since retiring um, and a lot of the mindsets, you know, how people kind of like the top performers look into what they're doing and none of them are thinking about anything else. It's what am I doing now and how do I get better at this? And I think I was like that as a player. I think if you want to get anywhere in life, you've got to give 100%. Um, so they're the main, the main skill sets that you see from every top player that I've played with, hard work. That's just, just number one. I would write a story in my mind of my me making it. So me, like, almost like a reporter, Lewis Hatchett, overcome this, beaten X, Y, Z to make it as a professional cricketer with the condition all against all odds, right? And I'd write that story in my yeah. mind. And I'd visualize being handed my cap and signing a contract. And that was my goal. Like I was, again, 15, 16, 17. And then fast forward to when I'm 25, 26 and haven't retired, The Guardian done an article on my story and exactly how I wanted it, exactly how I wrote it. And wow. and I'd got the cap, I got the contracts, I signed it. It's great having a dream of I want to be a professional athlete or I want to be a business owner or an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and own a massive business. Okay, but can you visualize the cold nights? Can you visualize the, the lonely hours in an office? Can you visualize the sacrifices you've got? Physio so I got injured on... July 7th, 2016, because I know that it's the last time I wore the Sussex shirt and cap. I went home, woke up the next morning, and John, physio, was calling me. I could tell in his voice. He goes, Lou, you've, you've got a bad fracture in your back. You know what to do. You're going to be shut down for six months to a year. The office. But I remember that phone call. He said, look, come in and we'll have a chat. Um, when he told me that what the results were, and I went in and I walked through the door, and I, I 
I couldn't even talk to him. I just bought, bought my eyes out. Like I said, a very stoic guy. And he said, oh, Lewis, I'm so sorry. It's like the first time I'd ever heard him say that. And I fuck, man, it just hit me. Like, really hit me. And that was it. That was that was the end. And the second mountain is where we find our real purpose and fulfillment in life. And I genuinely believe now I'm currently climbing my second mountain. Failing forwards and failing fast. And um, I actually read a book called, um, called Shoe Dog. You know, I'm an avid book reader. And Shoe Dog's written by the owner of Nike, Phil Knight about his journey and one thing he said yeah he started quite early on the, the the night journey and he said that um one lesson he took from it was failing fast and failing forward more independent thinkers i think what we need in society nowadays is more independent thinkers and independent thinking one thing that we need to do if you want to make real change and impact in the world is encourage independent thought one of the most important skills i think anyone can have is curiosity i think from a very very young age i've always just been curious i've always been adventurous aim for to be as good as you can be aim to make impact and if happiness falls upon you you should be grateful for it and you know that's where I see it. Being as best as you can be for yourself and for your family is probably more important than being happy because happiness is fleeting. But as you mentioned, contentment for fulfillment is what, what matters most. The police came round to our house just to get a statement. And instead of getting a statement from her, they walked in to find my stepdad um, in my mum's clothing, which back in 71 was completely unacceptable. Um, and me sitting on the floor in with no clothes on in December, freezing cold and blue. And the hospital notes say that I was about to lose my toes if I'd stayed there any longer and I would have lost my feet within a week. My parents were, were not bad people individually, but the relationship with the three of them was just toxic. We have a choice every day, every single day. And, and that is one of the, the gifts of life, if you like, mm. that at whatever point when you think, you know, life's not great, you've got a choice. Mm. Um, and I literally hit rock bottom. Um, I now know what it means to lose everything. I lost my house, my partner walked out, lost my job, and it took me four years before I could work again. I really believe now that the worst thing you can lose is hope. So long as there's hope, <laughs> it, you can kind of get through anything. Um, we gave him the pitch and he said, um, how much you buyers are looking for? And we said, uh, one and a half million dollars. And he goes, I love your energy. You remind me of me when I was your age. And we were like, great, great. He goes, put me down for 750. Talk to my man, Jonathan. He can, fin he can, uh, he can finish up with the details. And we were 28, 29 <laughs> years old at retail. And so the board have said, uh, we need them to have 10 million, not one and a half million. And we're like, are you kidding me? What are you <laughs> talking about? You know, and it was dot-com crash time. Nobody was going to give $10 million to a couple of guys with a laptop. And we were, it was a miracle we got as far as we yeah. did. Anyway, so we never took the money. Um, I lost 25 grand, so did Jeremy. Shut the company down. What I was born to do was not work at Sky or Smith Klein Beecham or being an accountant or all the other stuff I'd done in my 20s. It was to, it was to start a business because I just loved it, uh, if you like. Yeah. Um, and I took it on on my own um, in 2006. And, raised some seed funding and 15 years later here we are how did you no, see it that? was it was it it lit the spark of entrepreneurship for me mm. but but at the beginning of any journey any startup you need insane amounts of optimism and resilience and like we're gonna today's gonna be amazing we're gonna crush it today and you have to believe that and feel it and and for some reason i do if you don't dream it won't happen right um but you take one step at a time and you keep going and it's amazing how far you can go you enjoy the journey in the process 
then the outcome will take care of itself and it'll be probably bigger than you were expecting, but it's where the joy comes from. And actually, uh, you know, selling the company and, and making some money, that didn't give me, you know, the money gives me zero joy. And then my biggest client was about 80% of that. And then the recession hit, if you remember, in 2008. Mm. I would say, like, the business went flat overnight. You know, literally lost the business overnight. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I guess my blueprint was when everyone turned left, I made sure I turned right. Yeah. But everyone's got this, like, little gift. Mm -hmm. And my little gift is, is coming up with those ideas and piecing the puzzle together and skinning the cat differently to everybody else. And if you went away from here, the only thing you took from it was this, that you sat down and you wrote a list of every single toxic person in your life, even if it's your own mum. And then over a period of time, you make it your number one priority to remove them from your life. I promise you, your mental health will be better, your bank balance will be better, just your whole well-being will be better. Everything is also empowering people. So it's okay to make mistakes. Like, you will, working with me, you will scratch your knees. You really will. But you'll never break your neck. And there's a massive, massive difference. And one of the things I've been dr I've drilled into the team is that if we were a restaurant, and I correlate what we do to a restaurant, the environments are very, very similar, yeah. we would have a Michelin star. We're not the harvester. For, for me, as long as my tombstone said he tried, that's good enough. Because if you don't try, you'll never know. So as long as you try, what's the worst that can happen? What was my biggest achievement? For me, yeah. it was definitely playing for Scotland. Um, there was no bigger thing for me, but it w because I feel that it wasn't just for me, I feel that it was yeah. kind of like for all my family and all my friends yeah. that I grew up playing football with. It was kind of for all of us. So for me, um, like leading the team out for the first game at the Amex is a massive highlight in terms of looking back on my career and thinking, oh, that was unbelievable, like the support we had and like the, the atmosphere and then the, the late goal. It couldn't have went any better. But, and I think growing mm -hmm. up through sport, you become adaptable, you become resilient, because that's massive in sport now, to be resilient and take the knocks. One of the worst things you could ever say to me would be, you didn't work hard enough, because it's a, it's a basic requirement for me. Yeah. One thing I can guarantee you, anybody, is that within football, you always have periods of rejection, you're playing terrible, nobody likes you, you're getting booed by the fans, you're getting stick on social media. There'll always be a period of that, so it's like, how well do you deal with that? And that will determine how quickly you can get over it and move on. Try to find yeah. a, a real happy medium, but to enjoy what you're doing and enjoy your family. And I would say that's the, the key for me. If I'm getting all that, if I get all those things right, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. My family life wasn't brilliant. It was often, yeah, it was, we were poor. So we had, there was a lot of poverty. There was a lot of alcoholism. There was a lot of, um, it was very unsettled. By the time I was 16, I left home and I moved out. And um, by the time I was 19, I left the country and I came to England. I never really had a particularly positive relationship with my parents. There was a lot of neglect in childhood. Um, a lot of my childhood, I don't remember. There are sort of huge, huge chunks of it that I've just completely kind of blocked out of my memory. If you get up you know, in the morning and you manage to keep all the kids alive all day and everybody goes to bed happy, then that's enough. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I can say in all honesty that as a parent, I don't always get it right. None of us do. But I wake up every single day and I try my best. I think it's important to be authentic and bring your authentic self. If you're going to do it, do it properly. 
And I think for a community to really work, it has to be value driven. I think that's all you have at the end of your life. You know, you can be as successful as you, you want, whatever that looks like for you. You can make all the money in the world if that's what motivates you. But at the end of your life, when you have nothing, all you have is love. And all you have is the relationships with the people in your life that you've built over that time. And that's it. You know, all the money in the world is not going to help you at that point. So for me, that's my focus. I've always loved like cooking for family and friends from like a young age and just seeing how food brings people together, um, you know, was, was always something that I wanted to pursue. And it was just yeah. a surreal moment. And it was like just a, like a mix of emotions because you had all that going on. My team were asking me for answers that I didn't have at that stage. All we knew we had to close, not just creating the dishes, but creating the vision, you know, like how is the service? How can we improve the restaurant environment? How can we improve everything that we do? I really enjoy yeah. that challenge as well as trying to make it them both successful businesses as well. I mean, sometimes it scares me because, you know, just when you see figures, especially after what we've been through, it is mm -hmm. like, are we living on a knife edge? But then I do see, you know, I'm a positive person. I think positivity is my, my biggest thing. No, no matter what happens, I always try and put a positive spin on it. As I was leaving school, uh, one of my teachers said to me, you'll never make a career out of playing with speakers and nights. You should do more sport and do more sociable things. And here I am. I'm not going to... Oh, someone asked me last night, what was it, 23 years now? Uh, something like that, of playing with speakers and lights. And I was just there, you know, um, watching a, what at the time was a very busy diary in the UK, very busy diary in our Middle East branch. Beginning of March, we did the last event in the Middle East, uh, I think the 4th, 5th of March, and then just watched the diary. Like someone just took a broom and cleared it. And about two weeks later, UK, off. And it was like, it's we've got the company on track. We're doing well. We're, profitability is way back up. We've streamlined the business model, and we are, yeah, we're on our way. And then, boom! But you know what? I'm not going to have come through all of that to be knocked out by a small thing like a global pandemic. What people see of events. The glitz and glam bits, the fantastic show, being in the audience, yeah, it's great. That makes up about 15% of the work. That that gig you go to makes up about 15% of the work because the tech team and the crew have been there for 18 hours before you turn up. They've probably got a good 10 hours after you finish. And everything from, you know, one man and his dog in the Prince of Wales strumming his guitar at the 15 people to 30,000 people on Brighton Seafront. <laughs> so it's not all the lovely lights and sound. Yeah, this is great. There's a lot of it's four o'clock in the morning. Why am I standing here and then unloading a truck in the dark and what's going on? You know, it's it's not all the the, the lovely glitz and glam that you get to see, and not all the as I say, not all the jobs are like that. So I've fat boy sitting on Brighton Beach. Um, I did a private uh, party for the launch of GQ Men's Fashion Week at Elton John's house. I couldn't have told you 18 months ago that I would have half the clients that we currently have, you know, rolling off to you names like TikTok, Spotify, I would have never imagined in a million years I'd be doing that. But then again, half the stuff we've done in the last 20 years, I'd never imagined we'd do. So I'm just kind of, you know, what does the future hold? I suppose my story really is, is, one, of, um, is, is one of transformation, um, starting out with BT and then rolling into being an entrepreneur. I suppose as an entrepreneur, I thought, 
in my mind, uh, I would earn 100k in the first year, kick back, and that'll be it. <laughs> it didn't quite go as according to plan. Um, my first, my first business, um, um, pretty much failed miserably. Um, I hadn't read the marketplace uh, very well, and the business closed. In March 2020, we hosted the um, East Sussex Marketing Expo in Uckfield. Um, and then two weeks later, as you say, the pandemic hit. I, I was really worried um, because that was our final event for two years. Um, and I suddenly lost 97% of my income overnight. Going back, I guess, was to when I was extremely young um, and wanted to be an entrepreneur. From a young age, I used to sell stuff um, outside the house and stuff like that, you know, lemonade and other bits and pieces. Um, well, when I was 18, I messed up my A-levels. And then the second time, um, it became a little bit more complicated because my, my father uh, became terminally ill during that year. Uh, and he became ill in February 1985 and died in May 1985, about a week before I took my A-levels. Was it uh, Carpe Diem, Seize the Day? Um, and um, after that, I have always lived life um, trying to trying to seize the day. And he just, I need to tell you, he said, you changed my life that day, changed my life. He said, I would have been a person just swinging from job to job. I'd been my, my um, similar sort of place that I was then probably. But, but you changed my, my life. And to be honest, if I'd, if I'd passed away at that moment in time, I would have been happy because I'd, I, I, I'd made a difference to someone's life that was so massive, huge from his point of view. The less thing trumps the, the selling the yeah. business by miles. That, that, is, yeah. that is probably one of the defining moments of my life. I, don't, I think there's a piece of cake for everybody. Everyone should have a little bit of cake and then you're all happy going forward. Life's very short and you should try and make people happy and smile. Carpe diem, seize the day, go for it because you're only here once. What is the point of, what is the point of being, um, of, of thinking, oh, I could have, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. Why do that tomorrow? Because basically you might be dead tomorrow. My dad was, so I'd do it today. Quite a, a long story short, we got to about 2018. And you know, you think everything is going well, two small, beautiful children, you know, bills to pay, responsibilities. And you think, you know, life, life's good, I, I'm happy here. And then you kind of hear that the company's being taken over. And you, you kind of think a bit naively, I guess, that, you know, everything will be great. And then all of a sudden you hear of things being shut down. You get a phone call from HR, we need you in the office on Friday before you find out that you're at risk of redundancy. It kind of saw it as an opportunity, right? If I don't kind of do my own thing now, I'm, I'm potentially never going to do it, right? But anyway, and I'd say like 75% of the people I consulted Sam kind of erred on the side of caution and said, no, you've, you've got a job there. Why, why would you take risk? And so I listened. I think there were a couple of voices. Like one was a really, really like one of my best friends today who made the leap and now runs a successful um, CrossFit franchise. And he said, instead of thinking about what could go wrong, think about what could go right. During the domain, Atlantean Media, building the Wix website myself, kind of working with a friend on the logo, editing the video, the promo video to get everything started. 
Um, and I loved it. It was like kind of the really early stages of the, the company on the kitchen table, right? Like one of the challenges is to like every single day when you've sort of worked yourself, whether you're um, a freelance contractor or independent consultant or running a small media agency, is every single day being optimistic. Uh, really proud of the bars we, we launched, sort of award-winning uh, bars in Cardiff. Um, sold two of them, lost one. Uh, the one kicked my ass, to be honest. You know, life <laughs> life is about living, not worrying about what you don't do, it's worried about what you're going to do. And But the reality was that at the time, it was the hardest decision I had to make. And I'm in the house now, we kept the house, but we lost near enough everything else. And I'm still paying for that, that decision now. My dad came over and gave me a big hug, but he was like, are you sure you're okay, big man? And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm good. I'm good at the time. I just, I was in the zone. I just knew what I needed to do. But, you know, as soon as I closed the doors and gave the keys back to the landlord, the reality hit that actually this, you know, this is real now. Well, when you come home and you say to your wife, you know, you're going to lose everything, you know, that is not where you want to be. And that was, that was definitely the hardest, the hardest conversation I've ever had with, with my wife. It was a soul crunching one, really. It was a, you know, it's a defeated one. You feel like a failure, you feel like as though you failed, but the reality is, as we all know, um, and in reflection, you fail every day, it's, how you, it's what you, how you look at failure. And my, my mantra in life is always going to be crack on, mate, and, and, and that's what I'd say to all your listeners is, get on with it. If you've got something to do today, just get on with it. Get a plan, get it going and crack on. Walked through the front door and here was a group of guys who were sat around involved in the business of what I didn't know at the time was going to be the thing that was going to be for the rest of my life. I knew if I didn't do it then that, I, that he wouldn't see me having made that move and also that life was incredibly short and here I was faced with something that was so obvious that life was you know finite and you there wasn't there wasn't ever going to be a perfect moment. this check turned up uh, and that was for the money uh, I'd spent quite a bit of the money on getting the team together to, to kind of do the piece of work uh, and so my business partner took it to the bank and they were like yeah this is an American check it's going to take 60 days to clear and I can still remember that absolutely like oh my god we have not got 60 days here it was very early on we set our three values at Koto which are uncompromising positivity I think if you're in the service of others doesn't matter which bit of the service industry you're in I think this applies to the whole thing you have to come in every day with a positive mind state it's just cadence which is about trying to find the cadence with those that you're working around whether that's an external person like a client or whether that's internally it is a team game and we all have to all have to be on the pitch and play together it's relentless hustle you know and i think hustle culture gets some negativity at times but for me i think it is relentless humans are about being together and ultimately our work is about connecting people to ideas making them believe in those ideas and then using those ideas to drive change. The high points for me are where we've managed to wrangle the chaos into meaningful moments. And so there's some classic stuff like the moment we won Coca-Cola as a client, the lesson I got out of that one was like, work can come from anywhere. Like you should always be just like, don't think about your network as something that you're growing with an outcome in mind. Just keep on making connections because they will they will drive things. But I think for me, I always have to live with one foot in presence and one foot in tomorrow because the in tomorrow drives me not to be overly comfortable in the present. I think it's about trying to find, you know, have calm, but also be active. Try and make sure that you're going after it and attacking it, but that isn't your mode 24-7. Be reflective, be curious, stand back. 
which was actually a tough period of my life, actually, because I lost my sister to, well, she was actually diagnosed, and then subsequently I lost my sister to breast cancer over that period of time. So it was really, really, I just remember it's a really, really tough period of my life because I was actually diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um, people don't actually always realise what the symptoms of ovarian cancer are, and often people describe ovarian cancer as a silent killer. And then they CT scanned me, and they came around and they said, um, well, you know, we found these large tumours in both of your ovaries. And then a few days later, I just couldn't move and I got taken into the emergency and basically one of the tumours had burst and I ended up going in as an emergency operation and having obviously the ovaries removed. And that's when they actually confirmed that it was definitely ovarian cancer. So we were really excited. We were due to open. There was new life on the way. It was like a new start. And then boom, you know, it's like you never know quite know what's around the corner. Because what's the choice? I mean, you know, I've, the choice is to lie in the gutter or to look at the stars. I grew up in East Anglia, in a really small town uh, on the coast in East Anglia. Uh, my parents emigrated from India um, in the sort of late 60s. So in East Anglia, we were the only brown family in town. So that was kind of my life where I grew up. So I was always different, essentially. So I worked my way up in corporate. I was vice, global vice president of sales and marketing for a FTSE 250 company. You know, I had a big global team. And I had a moment where I was like, is this really what I want to keep on doing? It felt like the world was falling apart. It felt like businesses didn't know what to do and there was always scrambling around. And we knew a lot of women in their stories where they'd asked to work remotely and the bosses had said, no, your role isn't possible remote. And overnight they made it work. So to create a really inclusive culture, it takes a lot of introspection to look at how you communicate, how you work, how you deal with anyone who's experiencing challenging behaviours, how you encourage people to have challenging conversations with each other, with people who are quite different to them, um, how you progress people in the organisation. You know, what does your leadership team look like? Are they all quite similar? Because if that's the case, then that's reflected in the organisation. I still hear stories about, um, let's give you an example, women being made to sign NDAs and given some money to shut up and go away. There's quite a lot of that you'll be surprised. Um, and then and obviously you don't hear about that because they can't talk about it. So many things about our society need to change. So there is a positive story about change, but there is so far to go. And that was the point for me when all the lights went off and we were plunging down and I was thinking, oh my God, we, you know, the possibility of us getting shot out of the sky. That for me was my, I shouldn't have done this moment. <laughs> all those sort of things that you, take for granted like just walking down the street and feeling safe yeah. you know you just don't even think about it until you come back from somewhere like that and you yeah. think gosh we are we have everything just, it's yeah. really interesting when you meet people and they're completely different to how you imagine they're going to be and they have you know so so many interesting stories to tell it's but, like when you're in a tube carriage and you look around and you just think every single person here has a huge life a universe of a life spinning around them that's just as big as mine yeah. and everybody like you say everybody has amazing stories to it tell what's the most important attribute that a journalist can have and she actually said it's empathy and it's not perhaps the first attribute people would think is important but i actually think it probably is and it, it's what gets you the most amazing stories because so, the limo's never coming right so you need to get on that bus and get 
as far as you can on that first bus and then the next bus and then the next bus and eventually you'll get there and that's the way to do it. Now you show me you know how the human body works I want to be able to fix it I want to be able to do things to help make people better and when I said um, to my professor I wanted to be an obstetrician and gynecologist he said well good luck only one in ten women make it. One of the main things I did when I was at Charleston Westminster was set up a program for uh, HIV positive men to have children safely. During the 90s treatments started to become available and we moved from um, patients you know coming into hospital to die to actually this was a, a chronic disease and now it is a well-treated disease but I, I, the program was set up in in sort of 2000 1999 2000 and it was a lot of criticism people were saying why, why are you helping people like this you know there's a lot of stigma around having yeah, HIV but I, I knew it was the right thing to do and in fact you know, within two years, this was an NHS-funded treatment. You know, one in six couples will struggle to conceive, and it's a taboo subject. You know, you can't talk to your friends or your family about it. And we saw you go through failure. We picked you up off the floor. We said, it's going to be okay. It doesn't always work first time. That was a real insight actually into how to really support families and yeah. and as i said a crash course i was i was on call as the media person when madeleine mccann went missing and wow. and worked with the mccanns through for a few years on on that i think that what the charity sector gives people is the the power to change something and i loved that idea i loved that suddenly overnight our ability to fundraise had evaporated we were no longer able to run events. We were no longer able to help people like you that walk and trek and run and jump out of airplanes for us and do all that stuff. It just evaporated. It was scary a lot of the time thinking, how is this going to work? And waking up thinking, God, I hope this works. Or how, you know, how long is this going to last? How long can we last doing this? It's creating a culture that we are all in it together. Like there is no one of us that is more important or or more expert or or has yeah. a, a bigger say we are all in it as as one team a group of experts desperately trying to improve the lives of, of children and young people and their families across Sussex and the special thing about rocking horses we're also there when it gets really serious and really yeah. specialist it's it's the the children with cancer and the babies who can't breathe it's the teenagers who are experiencing really poor mental health and suicide and eating disorders we do we do all of that stuff that's what makes it special this is the county business talks podcast produced by h2 productions